Well, welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. And today we have another special guest. I would like to welcome Faith Wilcox to our mic today. Hello, Faith. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's such a pleasure to understand and know more about the grief community. And I'm so excited for you to share your journey of loss with us. Um, If you had to describe yourself, who are you? I would describe myself as a parent, as a writer, and as a partner, and as a lover of life. I am the mother of two daughters, one daughter now, Olivia is 35 years old, and my daughter Elizabeth was diagnosed when she was 13 with a very rare bone cancer. For one year, she was treated at a pediatric hospital, and she had incredible care and even even an experimental treatment that was given to her. But despite all of this that went on, she died one year exactly later after she was diagnosed in my arms. Mm. I then started a journey of being a bereaved parent and also trying my best to be a parent to my surviving older daughter. And that was an extremely difficult time. I was also recently divorced. So I had the combination of grieving that loss, grieving enormously the loss of my daughter Elizabeth and trying to support Olivia the best I could and return to work. And it was a very, very full and difficult time in my life. I later started to feel some moments of comfort and peace. And there were different things that I did to help me along that process. One of them was writing. I wrote daily in a journal. Another was walking in the woods, walking by the sea, just being in nature, I found very restorative. And also, I had incredible friends who supported me each way, each day, along my way, along my journey. So I was very, very fortunate with that. My writing and my journals turned into two books. I wrote Um, Hope is a Bright Star, a mother's memoir of love, loss, and learning to live again that was recently published. And previously, I wrote a book called Facing into the Wind, a mother's healing after the death of a child. Wow, that's so amazing. And you said so much in there. It's like this transition of, because I always ask my um, my clients as well that I counsel or coach. And I also, when I'm doing the podcast, I often ask like, what is this self-care plan that you, you have? But it's like, you had already devised that plan as you were going through, was this going through and also after that you continued with that? Yes, absolutely. One needs to continue because you do, after you've had a great loss, whether it's a child or a spouse or a best friend, you do continue to grieve for a very, very long time. In fact, often at some level for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I think it's very important to do self-care as you go along because you it, sometimes one can ignore that and you can find that it really grieving can really, really drain your energy. So it's important to find ways to try to boost yourself back up again. And 
and gather some of the strength that you may have lost. Absolutely. And I can only imagine you being out in nature, you felt a lot closer to your daughter and you felt just, you, you, you can hear so much clearer when you're in nature and you're, you're giving yourself the ability to just be free in nature, you know, to be present in the moment. So that, I mean, I can see you walking the trails. It, it just how you said it, I can feel it and see it. Um, that is so amazing. Now you talked about, um, writing and how, um, instrumental it was and inspiring to you. Can you please share that transition um, through the loss and how that became your greatest tool to lead today? Of course. I started writing when my daughter was um, in the hospital for the first time and I had a journal and I kept it by my daughter's bedside and I wrote of my hopes and my fears. I wrote of my shock. I also wrote down um, procedures that were upcoming that I couldn't understand at the time, because as your listeners would know, when you're in a medical setting, sometimes information is coming at you fast and furiously, and often it's terms that you don't understand. So I found that writing it down was really, really helpful, then I could refer to it later. And that helped me to go back perhaps to a doctor or a nurse and say what, what was going on. Over time, I also wrote about wondering if I really had the strength to go through this. I said many things that I wouldn't necessarily have said out loud. And after my daughter died, writing was a, was a healing balm for me. I would write each day or each night. I'd write in the pre-dawn light. I'd write about what, again, what my fears were, what my hopes were, how I hoped that my daughter, older daughter Olivia would gather her strength again and be able to be able to integrate back into her school life a little more successfully. And I also wrote about what I learned in life. And I learned so much about the preciousness of life that life can be short, but it doesn't mean that it has to be a lesser quality of life. My daughter Elizabeth lived life absolutely to the fullest. And she, in fact, would go into rooms with her meager source of energy. Um, she'd go by a hospital wheelchair into a room and she'd talk to new patients and she'd talk to them in a way that a child could understand. And so in this way, she actually gave of herself. She wasn't thinking about it that way. She was just thinking maybe she could help alleviate some of their fears. But the doctors and nurses on the floors really took notice and would share with me how much difference Elizabeth was making to the children who had just arrived. And also parents spoke to me and said how much it helped to have a friendly face there to say in some ways, this is what you're going to be going through. And it, it just helped alleviate some of their fears. So taking all of this into account, when I was on my journey of grieving and healing, I found that I kept thinking about families and I kept thinking about children who were hospitalized. And I really wanted to do something that could help parents or caregivers and hospitalized children. And I approached the hospital where Elizabeth was treated, which was Mass General Hospital for Children. And I asked if I could start a journal writing program. I knew how much it helped me. And in fact, they were 
keen on the idea, but they wanted to see some research. And not only has it helped me, but I've also read quite a lot of research by now, particularly by a uh, doctor named James Pennebaker, where he interviewed many people um, over about the last two decades, he interviewed um, vets who have had post-traumatic stress disorder. He interviewed cancer patients. He's interviewed um, caregivers and, and intensive care settings. And others have interviewed parents and caregivers in pediatric intensive care settings and what is referred to as neonatal intensive care settings. And he asked for people to write for 15 minutes a day and he also had a control group who didn't write. And he found again and again, the research revealed that people who wrote for the 15 minutes a day had better psychological outcomes. And it happened many, many, many times. And he's written a number of books about expressive writing. And that boosted me to know that I could, I could help people along the way. And I started a program where I go into the hospital once a week. I bring in a lot of journals. I talk to parents, I talk to caregivers, and I also talk to the children. And some of the older children are very keen to begin writing too. And I bring in writing prompts because sometimes it's hard just to get going. And writing prompts can be um, a passage from a book or it could be a phrase from a song, or it could be a passage from a poem, just to get people to start writing. And with children, I often introduce ideas like, what do you like to do on a Friday night? Or what's your favorite childhood memories? Or who do you like to be with the most in the world? Is it a way to try to bring children away from being in the hospital setting to imagining their life outside of the hospital walls where they're having in the past um, happier lives. And I have had a lot of very positive feedback and the programs expanded into the pediatric intensive care unit, the um, neonatal intensive care unit, and also into the radiology oncology, pediatric radiology oncology clinic. So it's catching on. That is absolutely amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations from doing it from your heart and just giving us tools that are very effective, you know, helping us, helping grievers and families of not only your community, which is parents and caregivers of children who are hospitalized, but just this wealth of knowledge of understanding how therapeutic um, writing is and how it can be a great resource to help us through our grieving process. Um, why do you feel it's important for others to share their story? Well, or experiences, excuse me, I'm sorry, both. Sure. Um, many, many people keep a tremendous amount bottled inside and caregivers and parents don't always have the ability to speak as, as if they were talking with an adult, um, an adult who was a caregiver. So they want, don't want to worry their children. And so a lot of information, especially if it's a young child, won't be shared with a young child. Adolescent children, that's, that's something else. But it is a terrible, terrible fear to think that you might lose your child. And it can help enormously to write 
to write these fears down and a way to release them. One thing that the research says is it reduces a lot of anxiety. So that's how it can be one of the ways it can be very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. Now, you spoke a little bit earlier on this, but can you please tell me what your experiences were for you to really speak in and dive into more about what new meanings in life mean? What, what did that mean for you? And, and how can that, how do you feel that that can relate to someone else? How can they discover that same thing? What new meanings in life mean? Right. Well, there are a couple of different things. Um, one, I talked about Elizabeth going into hospital rooms. And I saw that no matter where you are, how much strength you have, whether you're ill, whether you're well, whether you're young, whether you're old, there are always ways to give to others. And it made me realize that we have an inner strength that we don't always recognize. And that sometimes, uh, often actually in great adversity, that inner strength can come through. So that's um, in my situation, how, how writing helped me and also how observing Elizabeth made me realize that giving to others is, is often um, ends up boosting up your energy as well. Mm-hmm. Other things that I learned in life, that life is precious. Life can change overnight. Your understanding of life can, as I say, can change. And it is important to appreciate life, to appreciate the goodness that you've been given, to appreciate the beauties of the day, to appreciate the walks that you can take. And sometimes it can be shifting your perspective to not only not only very much acknowledging the loss that you have, but also to know that you have still have your life and hopefully you still have some family and friends and that you can, you can find great support um, around you. I was really blessed with my family and friends and I'm sure many of your audience are, have been as well, but I had friends who did things even, you know, in addition to bringing me meals, one friend spent almost every Friday night that my daughter was hospitalized with her in the hospital. Don't know if you've ever spent the night in a hospital, but they wake you up quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get a good night's sleep. And um, caregivers and parents are actually given a pull-out chair. Um, so it's not terribly comfortable as well. Right. And, and when my friend came and offered to spend Friday nights with Elizabeth, it just gave me some needed, really needed rest. And I could be sort of off duty if it was just for a short period of time. And other friends, in fact, even helped me some financially because I was in a very difficult place. And I just found that friendships and family, you may appreciate them even more than you ever did when you're facing adversity. Absolutely. And that goes right into what I wanted to ask about, you know, what are some of the best practices? And and those are all great practices of how others can help one understand the grieving process. And by knowing, you know, simply 
you know, great gestures and helping and doing, um, or like you said, financially supporting or, you know, being there physically, but are there any other, um, best practices that you, um, may want to just, you know, express to my Grief Nation listeners about what are some helpful things to help someone that's going through that process? If you have a friend who's bereaved, to visit them is helpful and just to listen to them. They may, they may take a while to start talking or they may start talking right away, but you can feel like a foreigner in a foreign land if this is the first time that you've been grieving and you're aware that your grief sometimes can feel like a tremendously heavy burden. But if a friend is there and you can unburden yourself by talking with them, it can really help. So I would ask a friend of a bereaved person to be a really, really good listener. I'd also ask them to show up and help in any way they can. It may be stacking wood if the winter is coming. It, it may be if the spring is coming, it may be picking up all the sticks on the, on the lawn. It could be anything that the bereaved person said that would help them. And just be willing to be flexible and be willing to, to step in there and help them. And in those ways, I really think you can um, lighten their burden. Another thing to do is if your bereaved friend doesn't feel like going out, um, they may be, maybe you've asked them over for dinner or maybe a neighbor's asked them over for dinner. It's perfectly fine for the bereaved dinner, to, the bereaved person to say, no, this isn't quite the right time. I really prefer to be at home. So I wouldn't coach and um, push anybody to go out if they're not ready for it. They will be ready someday. Someday, maybe a year from now, maybe two years later, who knows? But someday they'll feel strong enough to engage in conversations around a dinner table together. Absolutely. And that's, that's a great segue for our holidays because we're, we're approaching the holidays. And sometimes when um, a bereaved um, individual has experienced losses throughout the year, maybe early on in January, still, you know, we're coming up on the holidays and you're, you're having these emotions and feelings about your loved ones. And just as you stated, they may not want to be entertained or go anywhere to to be entertained so and we have to you know as friends and families we have to be okay with that but what are some things that since we're talking about the holidays what are some things that change throughout you know before Elizabeth um, passed and after and like now what does your holidays look like well, for many years, um, we had holidays at home or with grandparents and holidays were successful and, and happy and fun. After Elizabeth's death, I really didn't want to stay home and see an empty place at the table. So I, in fact, would spend some with my older daughter, some Christmases at friend's house. Sometimes I... Um, would go to a new location and my parents would join me. For example, we'd go down to Newport, Rhode Island, and I'd go to a place that has a lot of interests. Um, they were houses to see, there were shops to go to, there were beautiful walks along the ocean to take. So I felt that I really needed to mix it up and I didn't want to be home and to remember everything that went on. Yes. So at least initially, 
I found that changing my environment was really, really helpful. Um, I just, I just found it too difficult to stay at home. I think again, friends can make an enormous difference. Friends could ask you over or, um, or uh, relatives could ask you over and that can be wonderful. And to say to your relative, if you do decide you wanna go out, I'll be here for a while. I may not be here for the whole dinner or the whole lunch or whatever you're celebrating. But even if you go for an hour instead of four hours, it's perfectly fine. Um, you, you have some contacts, you can see your loved ones, and then you can return home uh, if that's where it feels more comfortable for you to be. Absolutely. Um, what about some, let's think about um, some writing prompts for the holidays. What would you suggest for an exercise? Sure. sure. Um, writing prompts for the holidays. I think what I would do is I would listen to some of your favorite Christmas songs or holiday songs and take out some phrases from them and start writing with those phrases. And they can be a way to really get you going. And honestly, if you're really stuck, you can just write down, just write, just write, just write until something starts to click with you. <laughs> and like it that. will, it will, it, it will click at some point. I would also perhaps look at literature to your favorite books. It may be holiday books. It may be just favorite all-time books and pick out some passages that you thought were very either emotive or ones that made you feel better and jot those down and then start writing with them as well. All right, that's all right. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, how can we help? So, and, and it's also with helping with all that you have, the great, amazing things that you have going on. How can we help? And what is your call to action? Yes. Um, Ways to help, I think, are to be really, really good friends. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I write a lot about grieving. I write a lot about healing. I have an article up now about self-care. And I can be found uh, on Facebook at Faith F. Wilcox, on Twitter at Faith F. Wilcox, on LinkedIn at Faith F. Wilcox. And on Instagram at faith.wilcox, W-I-L-C-O-X. I also have a website where I have a lot of information about grieving and healing. And I have many, many blogs there. And that is Faith Wilcox, W-I-L-C-O-X, narratives.com. In those areas, you can find out information. If you have any extra cause that I would really support and perhaps you can raise awareness about is that the research for pediatric cancer is much, much less than the research that's for adults. And it's not that children are any less important, but for some reason, the, the research dollars for pediatric cancer just pales compared to the adult dollars that are spent. So if you ever have the opportunity to encourage or perhaps financially support some of the causes for um, raising money for pediatric uh, cancer, that would be a really, really wonderful thing to do. 
Absolutely. And thank you. Do you have a donation um, on your website? I do actually okay. have a donation on my website. Okay. Okay. It's to Journals of Hope. It's to the writing program. With working with parents and, and caregivers of children who has been hospitalized, is there something that you would like to see change in or bring further awareness to? And I know you just spoke about um, ways that we can help to try to do more to find out more about research, but is there anything else that you could share with us that, cause we don't know, um, you know, a lot of us, we are on, on different grieving journeys. So help my, um, help my um, listeners understand more about some things that are there that you would like to see change or just bring further awareness to? Yes, I think being, bringing some further awareness to supporting bereaved parents would be great. I believe that some people are overwhelmed when they see a grieving parent and sometimes they actually turn the other way or go down the different aisle in the grocery store. So I think being willing to give that person a hug or to say hello or to offer how can I help you is enormous because you can, sometimes you can feel almost invisible because you feel like the rest of the world is going on with their lives. And yet your life has come to this great, huge um, log jam in your journey. So any way that people can help you clear that log jam with friendships, with offers of hope. Um, and as I say, I really feel that offering hope is really important because in time, I do believe that the vast majority of people find their inner strength, find ways to cope, and find ways to find joy and meaning in life again. Oh, thank you so much. And one more thing before I let you go, can you please leave us with your fondest memory of your darling Elizabeth? I think my fondest memory is one time we went up to the North Shore, which is, means north of the Boston area. We took a day trip. We went to a town called Marblehead. We went uh, into a lot of shops. It was just she and I, and we don't often have times, being a full family, we didn't often have times of just the two of us alone. And we ended up going into a restaurant at the end of the day, sitting outside with the ocean lapping next to us. And uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful evening. And we had lobster dinners. And on the ride home, we just, we just talked a lot. We talked about her friends. We talked about what she hoped for for the future. Um, we just shared so much. It was just incredibly easy and loving time to be together. So that is one of my, one of my very happiest memories. Oh, thank you so much, Faith, for allowing us into your life and listening um, to your story, having us to just gain more knowledge about the community that you serve in, the amazing work that you're doing, leading um, in the hospital, working with these families. We so appreciate your gift and all that you're sharing with us. Once again, thank you for being on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. 
Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude to our special guests for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye. It's the Miami Night Show. Hey, yeah. He's got me walking that grief walk. Going slow mo. He's got me talking that grief talk. Going slow mo. He's got me clocking the lid. What up, tribe? It's Miami Night Show, Master hey, Coach. Yeah. Welcome to the Miami Night Show. He got me walking that grief walk. It's time for grief talk, y'all. Yeah. I talk about things you think about. It's Miami Night Show, Master Grief Coach.